We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to BuzzBeat Radio, your premier Charlotte Hornets show. All right, welcome in episode 70 of BuzzBeat Radio. Is that right, 70, Richie? Yeah, feels like a milestone every time we hit those like multiples of 10. Every episode is certainly a milestone. Uh, this this one should be special um free agency it's you know i couldn't believe we were at the draft and now i can't believe we're at free agency but uh but this one will be fun it's going to be a real interesting summer for not only the hornets with kimball walker and very little uh flexibility to improve the roster as they say they want to do which i think they will try to but are they going to trade kimball walker brian windhorse tells us no only hours ago but richie great tweet earlier that the funny thing about doors is they uh they somehow they reopen i love it. It also sounded like something that Windhorse would say. Like yeah. that, that's exact. It sound if you listen to Windhorse talk about free agency and stuff like that enough over the years while covering LeBron in the NBA for ESPN, it sounds so much like something Windhorse would actually say. That's why it was so perfect. It it really was. It's exactly something that come out of uh, Windhorse's mouth, or at least across his keyboard. Um, all right, uh, before we jump in, don't forget we are a proud member of the Almighty Baller podcast network check out almightyballer.com for great other podcasts across the landscape of the nba um also sportschannel8.com our good friend and co-host brian geisinger comes to us from sports channel 8 follow them on twitter at sports channel 8 the number 8 and then check them out online sportschannel8.com queencityhoops.com as well We've, we had a lot of draft coverage i was really proud of what we did uh, covering the draft leading up to uh, June, whatever it was, a few weeks ago here. Um, and also, we've got some, some free agency stuff now. Richie, myself, and Brian did a little free agency rankings. That spreadsheet is up on a page at queencityhoops.com. If you missed that on Twitter, go check that out. I will have my free agency primer. My plan is for it to drop on Saturday. I don't want to make any promises, but Richie and Brian are also going to be featured in that. We'll be talking about everything from A to Z with free agency, just like we will on this show. Uh, so check that out as well. QueenCityHoops.com. Richie, what up? 
Not a whole lot. Um, I, I was talking to you guys prior to this. They almost need like a NBA salary cap for dummies where it just gives you the bullet point list because if you get into the nitty gritty of all this, it's uh, it gets a little complicated at times, but I'm doing well. Good. Yeah, no doubt. It gets a little weird. Um, a lot of Larry Kuhn, uh, FAQ <laughs> reading. Um, I thought I had this down last summer, at least was closer. And I told Brian before the show, I'm just, I feel like I'm cramming for final all over again. BG, what's up with you, man? I'm good. I'm good, man. Glad to be back in. Free agency, it's it's a tough, it, 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 it's, again, it's a challenging time, maybe the most challenging time of, you know, covering a team, following a team or whatever. But just want to say the I'm doing well. And I did want to mention too, you know, we had the, the Dwight Howard trade last week, a couple days before the draft. That was not the most celebrated trade, uh, but it certainly had some advantages for the Hornets in the short term, one of which means the Hornets can actually participate in free agency this summer. And it's not just going to be, hey, they're going to dump salary and they've got a a mid-level exception they can play with now. So selfishly, that at least gives us something to talk about, which is is kind of cool. And uh, no, I'm glad to be here for episode 70. This is our, uh, our Trevelle Wharton episode. Is that, are you guys getting that yeah. Panthers reference <laughs> yeah. that I'm yeah. putting there? There you go. Right. Hey, there you go. Keep, hashtag keep pounding. Shout out Panthers. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm good. I'm glad to be back. Uh, how about yourself, man? How are things? Oh, I can't complain. I'm in D.C. Uh, for a conference. So I do, I do fundraising for a day job at the University of Richmond. So I'm at this, uh, basically it's a national conference for Division One sports information marketing fundraising like you name it it's just like i just went to a reception a little bit ago and uh, this is the first time i've ever been to this it's literally just one private party after another with an open <laughs> bar on somebody else's dime. like i'm not paying for this so it's uh it, it's it's a little cooler than i thought it was going to be but i could be out doing that right now i'm happy to be with you guys talking hoops and hornets and we're going to jump into free agency here um so on that Oh, goodness, where should we start? Um, all right, let's start with this. Hornets salary cap situation. Yep. Never a more appropriate time than now to talk it. Uh, quick, you know, just quick synopsis on what we're looking at with the Hornets entering July 1st, which is rapidly approaching midnight on Sunday when free agency begins. Hornets right now, if you do not count the cap holds, which if you look at the spreadsheet on queencityhoops.com, I do not 114 million and change, basically. 114 million, 64, 617, if you want to get precise. So basically, what they are is 8.9 below the luxury tax line. 8.9 million below the luxury tax line. What they have to use is the um, non taxpayer mid level exception, which is worth 8.6 million. Um, so I say all that, and I should probably backtrack and say, the projected tax line is at $123 million. So really what that means is the Hornets have about uh, $200,000 uh, with with space in between what they can spend on the mid-level exception, 8.6, and then really where the tax line starts. So that's not much wiggle room at all. But, um, you know, the Dwight Howard trade certainly helped them get to this point. Uh, that was part of the whole deal with that trade. Doesn't mean it was a great one taking on future money uh, with Timofey Mozgov, but it did at least put them in position to, quote unquote, participate this summer. Mm-hmm. And guess what? This is a market that is very strangled with for cash across the league. 
and the non there's more than one mid-level exception the hornets have access to the largest one uh really i would say the, the mega mid-level exception there's the taxpayer mid-level exception there's the room mid-level exception so the hornets might have a pretty good tool to build a roster with here and where it starts is with the backup point guard position that's 100 percent the uh, the number one priority for this team, James Borrego told the Charlotte Observer in that in, in um, an article that came out today via Rick Bonnell. So that that's out there. The Hornets are going to plug that hole first uh, and how they do that will be fascinating. Now, on top of that, other things we're going to talk about is Travion Graham. The Hornets would uh, behoove themselves to bring him back somehow. But they don't have a lot of flexibility to do that. and They're probably going to have to use a portion of the mid-level exception, that $8.6 million dollars to do that they got to sign uh their new rookie Devonte graham not brother of travion uh they got to sign him and he's not on a rookie scale contract because he's a second round pick and second round picks can get anything they want you can give them the max deal they're eligible for if you really want so how they pay him also factors into this free agency question um and then you know will they go get a forward will they get a front court player i, th- I personally think they need a power forward but do they have the room to sign that kind of player, we'll look at that too. So, last thing, and then we'll jump in. 11 players under guaranteed contracts right now. If you assume they won't renounce <laughs> the rights to Miles Bridges or Devontae Graham, which they won't, there's 13 players. And then the backup point guard we talked about a little bit earlier, there's 14. 14 is the, uh, that is what you have to have on your roster as a minimum, according to league rules. So, Try to take all that in and not feel like your main brain is already melting as mine does and has been for the past <laughs> 36 hours looking at all this stuff. Richie, so to you, let's start with backup point guards. What do you just throw some players out here? I mean, who do you like? What do you think is realistic for the Hornets? I mean, we did this mm-hmm. free agency rankings we put out on, on Twitter earlier today. Uh, but you throw us some names here that are that are in that group, and, and let's just go. With, let's take it that way. Okay. Uh, the first player I'm going to throw out uh, is Alfred Payton. Yeah, I mean, just real quickly on Payton, he's an unrestricted free agent. This, mm-hmm. uh, Phoenix did renounce the rights to him after trading for him at the trade deadline, uh, if I'm not mistaken, this past season. So, he, you know, I don't think that he's going to get the full mid-level exception that the non-taxpayer, which the Hornets have access to. But I think he's totally in play for Charlotte. Um, I, I, you know, I think he's a good fit on this team because I think you have a Devontae Graham and a Kimball Walk, two smaller point guards, ball handlers, shooters, scorers, slashers. I think this team could use a point guard, a ball handler that can initiate the offense, that could maybe also be on the floor with one of those guys at times, mm-hmm. especially Kimba at the end of games. Um yeah, I don't love Alfred, but I think this is a guy that's within the Hornets' wheelhouse financially. I do think by the end of the day, Alfred Payton could go for less than $4 million on the market. I agree. And a couple other things about Payton. Former lottery pick, big point guard, and he's just turned 24 in February. So he'll be 24 at the start of next season and for the majority of it. So there's clearly a lot of appeal with him to traded from Orlando to Phoenix at the on the day of the deadline this past year for, I believe, just a couple second-round picks. Um, put up some fine counting stats out in Phoenix, but overall pretty inefficient 
shooting from the floor and and just overall not an amazing uh, stint out in the desert in the desert high turnover rate of about 19 percent and an offensive rating according to basketball reference of about 97 points for 100 possessions which is not great uh did shoot 32 percent on threes and shots about 63 percent at the rim it's a pretty good number yeah for uh, especially for for a bigger guard um and again i like i do sort of it's i guess it's it's on a similar note to what we were probably talking ourselves into at mcw a year ago of a bigger guard that can close with kemba he can play on the ball, then he can move Kemba off the ball and run him off down screens and the flop action or whatever. I just think there are, and again, at the right figure, and that if you're, especially if you think, hey, maybe this guy can still balloon into something. And when he was picked back in 2014, I mean, there were a lot of people that thought this guy was Rondo Part Two. Um, it certainly didn't help that the the league has gone further and for like the. The league itself has become more shooting reliant, more yeah. slash and kick, and and Peyton has just never caught up with. It. He's a sub thirty percent yeah. career three point shooter, which is bad, obviously. But um, I can see why he has appeal, both in terms of you think maybe he's got some upside, some potential, and he's a bigger guard that can defend some guys on the perimeter, can play next to Kemba, help close games. But uh, I, he's not a stay away for me, especially at the right number. I just think there are better options to be had than Alfred Payton. Yeah, there are. But if you're trying to maybe get two players with the MLE, maybe this is the route that you take. You know, go bargain bin shopping on someone like an Alfred Payton who is, you know, like you said, he he is – a little bit different in terms of the way that the NBA is going right now. He doesn't shoot the ball well from deep in the low 30s, uh, so that's a little bit worrisome. So he's going to have that same kind of mindset and build as MCW, but MCW didn't shoot 61% at the rim. He shot like 49%, so that that's an upgrade right there. Um, it but, is. Yeah, but just an interesting exactly. note. Uh, this guy is definitely a, a kind of Swiss Army knife type of player. He can rebound. He can pass the ball. He can defend. Uh, he can't shoot the three. But on the offensive end, you're going to see him driving to the to the rim a lot and getting to the rim. But he actually tallied two triple doubles last year. Two triple doubles. That's more than Anthony Davis, more than Giannis, more than Chris Paul. Not, I mean, not not saying that he's better than those players, but that's you know that's good to see that he actually tallied two triple doubles last year. So he can do a little bit of everything. Everyone that voted Westbrook for MVP in 2017 now thinks he's a better player than all those all-stars that you just named there, too. They all think Peyton's better. <laughs> if we're going by the metric that triple-doubles are the, the best statistic in the history yeah. of basketball. Then, look, Albert Peyton's better than, than Chris Paul. He's also a steals guy, too. Uh, over two steals per 100 possessions for his career. And, you know, look, he's got some. he's still young. He's only 24, but he's got 300 games worth of NBA experience, which tells you, A, he maybe he probably is what he is at this point, but also be at least you wouldn't be starting from scratch with you know having to play Devonte Graham as your backup point guard, which is something that we all we all know that they can't do. I mean, you guys talk about you know pairing him with Kemba, which I think is great, but also on the second unit where you have Monk back there, do do we mm-hmm. need somebody with height like an Alfred Payton to kind of play alongside Monk? Yeah. Go ahead, Spencer. Yeah, no, 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 no. I think that's a great point, and that, that's kind of what I was. I was just getting ready to kind of bring up like the Malik Monk dynamic and all this. Obviously he can have some ball handling duties off the bench as well. And I think Borrego kind of addressed that in his piece with the Charlotte observer today, but I think it's important. It's really important to start plugging some defensive holes in this backcourt. Like 
I think mm-hmm. the draft pick of Devontae Graham was great. I think he's a competitor. I think he comes right in, adds you, gives you something off the bench that is useful, and that's offense. You don't get a lot of defense from him. We already know what Malik Monk is on the defensive end. Pretty much a disaster at this stage. Um, Kemba competes, but he has his clear liabilities on that end. The Hornets can't afford to get a guy that can't defend at least two positions with this signing, to me, in my opinion. Now, some people would say, you know, hey, no, we need another guy who can come in and give us some offense, just run the offense. But I, to be a defensive component to this signing, and that's why I would I would seriously entertain the guy uh, or, or entertain the idea of a guy like Alfred Payton. Here's the other point I would make. The Hornets' number one priority in free agency is backup point guard, okay? Mm-hmm. So they won't have the luxury of waiting out the market um, like some other teams will. What I mean by that is because it's the Hornets' number one priority, they're going to have to strike early, likely, likely, they may not, but I would, I would mm-hmm. guess they're going to strike early in free agency in trying to find a backup point guard, which means they're going to have to determine – where the value is without seeing where the market falls. And that's that's difficult. That's really difficult to do. They did that last year with Michael Carter-Williams, and they 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 guessed wrong. So mm-hmm. they're going to have to guess again now with a guy like Elfred, who, yes, gives you some defensive stuff, great point when he's a steals guy, BG. Not a good shooter, though, and you're starting to talk about the same type of player albeit far younger than MCW, yep. but the same type of player that he was. Mm-hmm. Are Hornets willing to take that risk again? I don't know. And I think the thing is, is like when you want that backup point guard, kind of back to my previous point, you want someone that could pair well with Monk, and that's obviously someone that's going to be defensive-minded and a little bit taller. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's not <laughs> – I mean, typically, I know this is kind of a, a weird generalization, but I don't – you know of a lot of taller point guards, defensive minded, that also have a shot that are out there. So it's 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 a catch twenty two in that situation. Do you mm-hmm. want to go completely different from Michael Carter Williams and try something different and go for shooting, or go for someone that pairs uh, theoretically better with Monk? I would lean towards taking a chance on someone else, but I understand you know if this was the route that we did take. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I mm-hmm. understand the concept of it, and I think it makes a lot of sense and. I mean, you, you can totally justify the sign of Alfred Payton, Payton and because of everything you guys have said and because of his age, look, I would get excited and I would think if you're the Hornets, you know, what you're concerned on is really this year. But if, with a guy like Alfred Payton and his age, if you're able to use a portion of the mid-level exception, maybe plus one and have some point guard certainty, you know, mm-hmm. at least at yeah. least for a few seasons, even if Kim is not back next year. And not only do you have certainty, but again, you have a developmental player who's young, has been in some tough situations early on his in his career, and maybe this is a second contract get well kind of spot for him. And 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 that idea intrigues me too. I like it too because a couple quick things. A, I can't think of two more challenging situations to be in the last four years of the NBA than Orlando and Phoenix in terms of just like franchises that don't quite have a direction. Uh, I don't, I mean, rudderless probably in Phoenix, Orlando just a little more confused. And so this would be, it would be a really easy place for if you came in at age 20 yet, you didn't, he didn't play, he played at a small college and yeah, it might be tough to sort of like find your way in the NBA in some, in some tough circumstances. The second thing too would be, 
We know with James Borrego and his coaching staff they brought in, we'll probably talk about this more over this podcast, but they, they certainly have like doubled down on the player development speak. And so maybe, hey, I don't want to compare this guy to Victor Oladipo, but Oladipo is another guy who got out of Orlando and it took a, it took two different stops and then all of a sudden, boom, he turns into an all-star shooting guard. I am in no way saying that's going to happen to Alfred Payton, but maybe he does need to get into an actual situation where there is a culture, there is a little bit of framework in place. And, mm-hmm. I mean, Charlotte's sort of starting is restarting on that with uh without steve clifford but i think that's interesting and spencer you brought up a great point too just in terms of some certainty at the position what was so frustrating about the mcw signing last year was even if he had played well and he didn't i mean he was terrible he was one of the worst players rotation players in the league but even if he had played well he just would have left like the hornets were always going to be in this situation i don't know like what would have had like it it's so tough to figure out what would have had to happen for the Hornets to not be in this exact same scenario as they were a year ago. And once yeah. again, here we were having this conversation. We knew late June 2017 we were going to be having this same conversation. So, yes, I agree. Like, a little bit of certainty would be nice. Um, so I think all of those things are, are, are interesting with Peyton um, as, as a possible backup in Charlotte. Yeah, and guess what? Even if... Even if Kemba doesn't come back next year, or even if you traded him after you sign uh, a, a guy like Alfred Payton, what what better what better kind of player to have on a cheap contract and in some positional certainty that you're very thin in than a 24 year old guard, right? Yeah. Like you'd rather have it with a young guy than obviously an older guy. Mm-hmm. So it's a great situation in that way when you're the Hornets and look. We're not trading Kimba. We're not trading Kimba. The door is shut on the possibility of Kimba being traded. We all know that door is plenty open, and it's yeah. a possibility until the trade deadline passes next February. We, if you don't know that, then <laughs> then start knowing that, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's a possibility. So in that context, Alfred Payton makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. That's that's all I got. He cut the hair, too. He cut the hair, too, yes. recently. Yes. That yes. changes so, his so I'm sure Stephanie Reddy Stephanie Reddy used to always like crack up about that whenever the Hornets would play the Magic. So I'm sure she would appreciate uh, Elf with a clean cut if he were yeah. in the Queen City too. I mean, funct- a little bit like an Elf with that hair. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Functionally, I don't know how that would work when you're playing basketball, but I don't even know how he thought that looked good just like on an appealing level. So I'm gonna throw out another name. Tur- Go ahead. What if he just real quickly, what if Alfred Payton turns into like a 40% three-point shooter? Like literally the only thing, he doesn't change up his shot motion. He goes through the same workouts. Like literally the only thing holding him back was this ridiculous haircut. Um, to which I would say, everybody, wear your hair however you however right. you please. I, I definitely don't care about that. But anyways, I, I digress. Uh, Richie, feel free to throw out another name and get me to stop talking about it. Uh, yeah, well, Exactly. We spent uh, too much time on on him, I feel like, because we got a lot of names to to get to. And this guy is of the same mold, um, a little bit younger, 6'6", Dante Exum. He might be a little bit out of our price range, uh, and he has more question marks with his injuries. Uh, But I do think if he were to be healthy, that's a big if, uh, I think he might be the better player of the two. Any thoughts on uh, Exum? 
he's a really intriguing one. Probably the most, when you look at this list of point guards, that the Hornets could maybe get in the mix for. Um, What's interesting about Exum's situation is that Utah can actually create, if they drop Derek Favors' cap hold, they have two or three more they can drop that are minimum cap holds. Um, They can actually get to, oh gosh, off the top of my head, I think they can get to a few million in space. They can create cap space, let's put it that way. Yeah. So if they got to a point in free agency that they were able to do that, uh, Derek Favors signed elsewhere, um, I would say it would also behoove them to go ahead and find a way to bring Exum back. I mean, just the defense he played on Harden in oh the playoffs was just amazing. I mean, it was amazing. That guy showed some serious flash there. Um so a few things working for Exum in his favor. Number one, or really not in his favor, I would say in Utah's favor. Number one, he's a restricted free agent. They can He's on the end of his rookie deal here. They can match anything that he gets in terms of an offer sheet on the, offer sheet on the open market. Number two, in Utah's favor, Exum's cap hold is not it, – it's pretty low. Uh, or excuse me, not his cap hold. His qualifying offer is, is pretty low. His cap hold actually is higher. It's it's 14 mil and some change. Mm. His, his qualifying offer uh, is much lower than that. And this is one, I think it's 4.5, something like that, is a qualifying offer. This is one that if the market started to dry up, I could see Exum taking, almost wanting to take his qualifying offer opposed to a spot like Charlotte where yes. he would get – max of six million of the mid-level exception and he might get three years he might get a two plus one which is great you get three years and guaranteed salary but uh but why not take your qualifying offer which is just a little less than that on an annual basis and then get back onto the market in 2019 so as you said richie i don't know how charlotte would pull this off they'd almost have to just go ahead and say Look, Devontae Graham, we're not going to spend a part of the mid-level on you. We're going to just give you the minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, then we're, we're not going to worry about Travion Graham. You can walk and go wherever you want. Dante, we want to give you eight point mm-hmm. whatever in, in that mm-hmm. two plus one. Now you're looking at like a $24 million contract with a player option on the third. That's the only way I could see that. And that would be risky with his injury history. You know what I mean? So I thought his qualifying offer was actually higher than that, Spencer. I thought it was like in the six range. So even at the six million range, yeah, why not just take that over any offer that Charlotte can offer him? Obviously, we can go a little bit higher than that, but the situation might not be better. But you know, that's why I was a little hesitant to bring up his name, but I think he's in the same mold as Peyton, but I think he's a better defender. And you mentioned, you know, his defense on Harden. Uh, in the three game I'm sorry, the four games that he played in that series, he held James Harden to twenty one percent shooting, uh, which is great. So yeah. he's a very versatile defender. He has length and he has some quickness, but those uh those injuries, the ACL and I think he had the shoulder injury as well that um it scares me off a little bit, but I, I think he might be out of our range when it comes to our price. Yeah, it's interesting because he's played four years in the NBA. He's logged four seasons uh, of of time, but he's only played in 162 regular season games. Like he's played in two full seasons worth of games in four years of of service with the Utah Jazz. In his rookie season, I feel like he played all 82. Yeah, he did. He did. So he's played since 2015. He has played only uh you know he's only played 80 games since then yeah um but like you guys said he was he was terrific in the playoffs defensively on Harden, and, and i mean utah was just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what would stick with some of their injuries in the playoffs mm-hmm. and, and Exum had some nice drives going to the hoop 
um, impressive. He gets the rim a ton uh, in, in 16, 17 with Utah when he actually played a lot of minutes. 50% of this guy's shot attempts came at the rim, and 20% of his shot attempts were corner three. So he does sort of have that money ball approach of, yeah, he's sort of just figuring stuff out offensively, but he knows the two spots on the court. He was a high assist guy this year, close to 30% assist rate, and he only played 200 and whatever minutes. Um, I sort of like him. Again, I think I agree with you guys that I think he's either A, out of the price range, or B, you know, he just comes back and, and plays on his on his QO in, in, in Utah and then hits 19. He'll be he'll – be, he's about to turn 23 in the middle of July, so he'll be 24 at the start of two NBA seasons from now, still super young. So he's got a whole career ahead of him, and if he can just get healthy, the guy looks like a player, like a legit two-way point guard that, that can maybe run a team and, and certainly score, get to the rim, et cetera. So – I like him as the potential for the Hornets to maybe try to find a way to get this guy, but I just it it seems it seems really uh, it seems unlikely, um, especially. I, and I guess the other thing too is it's like you know in Utah if he goes back there he'll be a backup. If he came to Charlotte he's still being a backup here. So there's no there's no like differentiation point in that. But I, I just think the finances for him I just think there are better paths towards the next four years of his career than you know, signing a one plus one or a two plus one in Charlotte, even though I would be all over that because I think this guy is a serious talent. Um, yeah, Richie, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I'm finding his qualifying offer is 4.3 oh, change. I'm okay. trying to, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head why it's that low, which I, I can't remember. So forgive me. Yeah. Cause um, he was a top five pick too, you know? Yeah, he, exactly. He, he, it, it, that could be a weirdly constructed rookie deal, which which is, yeah, I don't know. I'd have to do some research on that. But it might be Australian dollars. Is, Maybe it's Australian dollars. Yeah, he's <laughs> got kangaroo bucks. <laughs> has to be, but his cap hold is almost fifteen million dollars. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, you can. Yeah, the Jazz are gonna have to do something about that. And him and Derek Favors to create some space. Um, all right, who else you got, Richie? All right, this one's a little interesting. Uh, not necessarily a true point guard. Uh, but Seth Curry, uh, he sat out all of last season with a stress fracture in his lower left leg. Um, but he's back. He's participating in basketball-related activities. A little undersized, but I wouldn't necessarily consider him a point guard per se, but as someone that has the size of a point guard, uh, but definitely can shoot the ball. And that's something that we're lacking, you know, starters, bench, wherever. Yeah, so Seth Curry missed all of last season um, after having really a, a good 2016-2017 season with Dallas. Um, shot the ball. I mean, BG will talk about this more in a minute, but shot the ball awesome in the season before last. Uh, was looking like a guy who was about to burst onto the scene. Dallas was like, yep, you're going to start for us. That is in last season, 17-18. And then it all kind of fell apart for him with the injury. So he's an unrestricted free agent. Um I think that he's 100% within the Hornets' wheelhouse in these free agency rankings that we released on on Twitter um, earlier this week. I didn't have him in in my top nine, and that's solely because he didn't play at all last season. And look, Seth Curry has some history with injuries, Mm -hmm. so I don't totally trust him from there. Um, Otherwise, I think he's a great fit in Charlotte. He's obviously from Charlotte. I think he can play point guard and he, he can come in and give you a, just an offensive boost 
off the bench. He can play with Devontae. He can play with Kimba. He can play with Monk, right? Like, he's versatile offensively. Um, got a little bit of size, you know, defensively. He's certainly not what he's known for, but he competes. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't hate this. And I think he's very, very gettable and affordable. I would almost, I w- because of what this market is, which is cash-strapped, almost everybody that's that's a player and wants to improve by one or two positions pretty much has to use an exception. There's not going to be much cap space used here. Mm-hmm. Could get, you could, there's there's a world, a universe, in where he gets the minimum. I just I just think his value, after you talk about Van Vliet, Marcus Smart, Isaiah Thomas, Exum, uh, Alfred, you know, Shelvin Mack, Yogi Ferrell, all these guys, like, he's got to be below that group, right? Just because of missing an entire season. Yeah, it's one of those things where I think in terms of price, he's he's a good fit with Charlotte. Like, you get him in that that 3 to $4 million range, which makes a lot of sense. And I think maybe for some, he's he's probably a stay away just because of the injury concerns and the, you know... I, I think he's played he's played more than enough point guard in his career that he qualifies as that. But he's not like a pure pick and roll, break down a defense, slash and kick, get downhill point guard like a, a Raymond Felton or something like that. And I could see some concerns with he and Monk paired together as a defensive backcourt in terms of wingspan. I mean, Spencer, you said he competes, but in terms of wingspan and just overall length, that it's maybe a little a little shaky. Um, but he definitely tries. Um, and again, in terms of his shooting, like I'm, I guess my thing is I'm willing to sacrifice some, some, or perhaps a lot of defensive versatility for another plus shooter that this team, I feel like really needs. Um, 100%, 100% agree on that. Sorry. Keep, keep going. Yeah. I just wanted to butt my head in and say, I totally agree on that point. And I think if you can find a guy that can not only give you a surplus of shooting can also handle the ball and you know, is going to give you a hundred percent effort on both ends when he's out there. What else can the Hornets ask for? Yeah, totally. Exactly. And then, I mean, and then as an aside, look, this is a team that certainly enjoys the marketing bonuses that come with some of these signees cough, Marcus page cough, like having Del Curry's kid come back to Charlotte as he's calling games. I'm sure they wouldn't hate either, but 43% on catch and shoot threes over his last two healthy seasons. So that is nearly 300 attempts, and it goes back to a couple of years ago in Sacramento and then two seasons ago in Dallas. Shot 45% on pull-up three-point attempts, 107 attempts in 2016-2017 with Dallas. That same season, he shot 63% at the rim. Um, some other interesting stuff for him, too. In 16-17 with Dallas, 50% shooting out of the pick and roll, 56, 56% effective shooting out of the pick and roll. I mean, again, not the same volume of possessions, but this is like in the 80th plus percentile in the NBA. Um, and then you can tell he clearly got better, at, got more comfortable at shooting off the bounce two years ago in Dallas. So when he was in Sacramento in 15-16, almost half of his field goal attempts come after zero dribbles. Uh, 16, 17 with Dallas, it's closer to 33%, 33, 34%. Um, Yeah, so just, again, he's he's, basically, he's averaging the same amount of dribbles per touch, which is about 4.4, but he's shooting more off the bounce. I think he's gotten more comfortable in playing pick and roll and finding his spots and stuff like that. Um, I like this guy as a possibility, a guy closing games maybe next to Kemba, and at least a guy that can give you some shooting um, basically would be the opposite of MK of what MCW was for the Hornets this past season. But there are plenty of red flags 
But I just think in terms of this guy, what you can get him for three, four million dollars in the shooting he provides, you're getting a, you're getting, you might, if he stays healthy, you're getting some serious bang for your, for your buck. And I'd basically, I'd love a situation where Seth Curry comes to Charlotte and Trevi and Graham also returns too. Like yeah. I'd love to see the last two roster spots used in that fashion. I don't know if we'll get there, but um, I'm in on Curry, even if he's not the best fit too. Right. Yeah. And I think those, um, you know, off the dribble numbers are very promising for a player that is going to be handling the ball a little bit more if we use him as that backup point guard spot. I think the pairing with Monk offensively is fine on defense. You guys brought it up. That's where the issues are going to occur. But if he can outweigh his defensive liabilities or the, that pairing can with the offense, I'm good with it as well. And just one last stat to bring up, you know, Brian ran all the through all the good ones, but uh among players with over four and a half three point attempts in 16-17, uh, Curry was fifth in the NBA with a 42.5 three point percentage. So I would be in on him as well, especially considering the fact that his price is going to be a little bit lower. And Dallas, I doubt, will bring him back because they're kind of log jammed at that po- at point guard position, guard position. I don't think yeah, they're they got, looking. They, they, they brought Brunson. They got Brunson in the. You know, they brought Brunson in. They've got yeah. they've got Dennis Smith Jr. They got Doncic. Uh, they've got to figure out what they want to do with Yogi Ferrell. Like yeah. they they can yeah. bring him back on the cheap, but there's a chance that he might just get pinched in Dallas too. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think Bronson really makes him expendable at this point. Um, Hey, before we go any farther, Richie, I just, because I know we talked numbers and possible salaries and all this stuff with the MLE. Let's go ahead and just real quickly. And let me run down Travion Graham's situation with the Hornets okay. and really what it takes to bring him back before we go any farther. Um, <clears throat> Travion Graham has been with the Hornets for two seasons, so he does qualify. The Hornets have his early bird rights. So what that means is the Hornets can sign him um, to 175% of his salary in the previous season or uh, 105% of of the average salary across the NBA. What will be the greater of those two is typically what teams would do. So what what would be the greater of those two is obviously 105 percent of the average salary across the league. It would just be just be over six million dollars. Travion's not getting that on the open market, so that's not what the Hornets will do. <laughs> the point is here is that Travion will be put kind of on the back shelf as the mm-hmm. Hornets go into free agency. It doesn't mean he's the last priority. It just means that with his cap hold, mm-hmm. which is one ju- just shy of 1.7 million. That's such a low capital. The Hornets would want to go ahead and keep, keep that on their books as no they do business with the MLE. And then as they sign their backup point guard, as they go ahead and get Devontae Graham under contract, which I would think is going to be the MLE, a portion of it, mm-hmm. so, so they could get him to three years and get his bird rights, then they would go back to Travion with what they have left and operate on how to bring him back. Now, a few things. Depending on what that number is, I think it's totally realistic that Travion says, look, I want to be back in Charlotte. I like it here. Let's say the Hornets, and the number I think is realistic of what they'll have left is somewhere between 2.5 and $3 million. That's enough to get Travion back on early bird. Mm-hmm. If, for a reason, they had the same number, but Travion's just not getting anything on the open market, it's totally feasible the Hornets just don't make an offer. He takes his qualifying offer for even less than that, which again is about 1.7, and they get him get him back even cheaper. So yeah, <laughs> I, 
lot to take in with Travion, but that's kind of what the Hornets are. It's where they're at with him, probably. And again, it means that he's going to be the last domino to fall. Right. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I would guess. And remember, too, Sacramento doesn't have their first round pick, too. So, like, they, they there might even be like a little incentive for them to, to compete and stuff like that. They don't have the 2019 first round, or at least they don't control their rights to theirs. So, like, Adding a guy like Trevian Grant, bring him in, see what you got. Like it, it, it would maybe make some sense for for the Kings and stuff like that too. But uh, yeah, I mean, do you guys do you guys think Trevian would come back at the qualifying offer? I suppose it sort of depends on what else is is out there. But one seven one seven seems low for him. It, it does, yeah, I mean, but I, I can also I, see Charlotte waiting it out. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, they they should. That would be the prudent thing to do. I think they have to, anyways. Though that's kind of the point. Like the. Because his cap holds so low, there's just no incentive to rush getting him <laughs> exactly. In. Because if they bring, if they're like, "Hey, Drayvon, I really want you back. Let's get you on the books for 2.5." Well, why would you do that? You just wasted a million dollars. Yeah. Or you could have just kept it by right. keeping his cap hold on the books till the end. But I would say that um, the Travion, yeah, I, I think it's totally possible he comes back on that qualifying offer. You mm. just go through this class of wings in free agency. And he's towards the bottom of it. Look, I love Travion, okay? He has mm-hmm. its, his clear t- deficiencies and his clear limitations as a player. But he, he keeps the ball moving. He plays defense. He plays his tail off. Like, I'd love – I mean, he's a coach's dream to me. I, I would think so. Um, I still don't think that he demands much on the market. If he does, I would be shocked. And I think it's yeah. very, 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 very possible that he comes back on his QL. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, that's where I lean. So you guys want another player to talk about in free agency? Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. All right, this player, oh gosh, I don't know if he's going to be totally realistic, but he's probably the top of my list. Uh, two-way player in uh, Fred Van Vliet uh, from Toronto. What are your thoughts on him? Do you First off, do you think it's a realistic option uh, to get him? Probably not, but what are your thoughts on him as a player, and what, how would you see him in Charlotte? Love him as a player. Do not think it's realistic yeah. uh, that he comes to Charlotte. And a lot of the reasons that Exum wasn't. I think Van Fleet, to me, Van Fleet is the number one point guard on the market. Yes, and there's I agree. A, there's a lot of things that play into that. We well, All three of us had him number one in our rankings, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of things that play into that. Um, but, yeah, I just I, I see a cap space team like Phoenix who needs a point guard. Orlando needs a point guard. I see a team like that throwing a, a pretty serious, like one of the m- more surprising offer sheets of the entire summer at him. Because, look, we're not going to see a lot of big-time offer sheets just because, again, there's not a lot of money out there. But I think Van Vliet is one of those guys you can justify throwing a lot of money at him. And, uh, Richie, you and I were texting today. I was under the assumption, actually, because of the arena's provision, which he lives under, that Toronto could bring him back. You corrected me. Toronto cannot match. Um, they, they really can't match anything that Van Vliet is going to realistically get, um, which stinks for them right. and proves the point of why you should stay under the tax. But, yeah, I, I think he's going to get a, a, a surprisingly huge offer sheet. I really do. Yeah, that's what intrigued me at first about him because I knew that the situation that Toronto was in because of their tax situation. I do love him as a player, and I'm probably going to get too excited about this guy because we're probably not going to end up with him. 
uh, just a two-way player. He is undersized. I would say, what, 5'11", 6 feet, uh, but that definitely doesn't hinder him on the defensive end. Um, you know, very, very much a pest on that end. Very fundamental. Knows when to help. Knows when to tag the roll man. Uh, knows how to contest shots. On that end, he is definitely not hindered by his size. He's very much a, a dog on that end of the court. And on the offensive end, um, you know, his size, you know, might come into play a little bit, but uh, he shoots the ball well from deep. Again, that's something that we need desperately on the Hornets team. Um, and he's good in the spot up situations as well. So I don't want to get overly excited about this guy, but this guy uh, is definitely. Uh, probably on the unrealistic side, but there could be a world in which we just offer him almost all of our MLE to try to get him. Yeah, there, there's a, there's a, I mean, I guess it's one of those things. It's like, would the Hornets be fine with playing at 14 players and then just throwing the full, <laughs> full MLE at this guy? But why would you want to do that? You could probably make more money and go be a starter somewhere else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, everyone fell in love with Fred Van Vliet this year, and, and rightfully so. I mean, a Richie, like you said, un, undersized defensively, but he's got that. You know, his teammate in Toronto, he's got that that Kyle Lowry approach to when bigger guards try to post him up, where it's like, it, it's like the Chris Paul's got this too. It's like, it's like an affront to his manhood that you would try, and he just they just defends his ass off. Whoa, mm-hmm. in those in those situations, but. It's going to be tough for Toronto, too, because you think of one of Toronto's key strengths this year was the bench, and he was the best player on that bench unit for them. Uh, Raptors are plus 52 in over 1,500 minutes with Van Vliet on the court this year. 45% on spot-up threes, 42% on threes overall, 36% on pull-up threes, and on catch-and-shoots in general, 66% effective shooting. I mean, he was sensational. For the Raptors, the lineups with he and Lowry on the court together kicked ass. Um, it's a huge blow for for the Raptors, and you know Delon Wright better be ready to to make another jump for them, or, or they're going to be hurting coming off the bench this year. But uh, you know, I hope it's not Orlando, just because it just it's just sort of like a depressing basketball situation there right now. Um, but yeah, no, I don't think he's a realistic fit for Charlotte, unfortunately, because. He's awesome, and you just think of the ways Toronto used Van Vliet and Lowry. You could do the same thing with with Kemba and Van Vliet, but those are those are uh, those are dreams, not realities. Yeah, and not to be the like the the final buzzkill and throw water on everything with Van Vliet because I think he's made a lot of uh, fans among Charlotte uh, Hornets fans here since free agency buzz started picking up. But well, it's not only Van Vliet; it's Van Vliet, it's Marcus Smart. It's Dante Exum. It's Shabazz Napier. I'm looking at some other free, restricted free agents. Yeah. The Hornets kind of can't afford to tie up their cap space with, with an offer sheet to a restricted free agent that might get matched. Mm-hmm. Because if one of these teams felt like just being mean, yep. then they would just sit and wait and tie up the Hornet space, and all of a sudden, on July 13th, say, oh, hey, we're going to match that. Yeah. And now there's nobody left. So mm-hmm. that's that's an important point to keep in mind with, with the Hornets. And that's why I got like Alfred Payton going back to him, an unrestricted free agent, makes a lot of sense. Why don't you just go ahead and do this, or Shane Larkin, or Shelvin Mack? Why don't we just go ahead and do this, take him in, he's unrestricted, we can get him on our books right now, and we can keep doing business. You know, so... That's another thing to keep in mind with these restricted free agents. 
Yeah, that's definitely a nuance uh, when it comes to free agency in terms of the restricted free agents where you have to wait. A uh, player that you just mentioned, kind of want to touch upon briefly, is Shelvin Mack. Um, I think that he is an experienced player. Uh, I think he'd be a low salary guy too, as well. Um, I think he's definitely a realistic option for the Hornets. And like you said, he's unrestricted. He has experience in running a second unit. He's, I think, 28 years old. Um, He actually shot better from three than I actually thought he did last year. He shot 35% last year from behind the arc. But it's not like he attempted like less than one a game. He attempted close to two three-pointers per game. And he also shot an impressive 66% inside the restricted area, which is uh, very good for someone of his size, um, which is always a change of pace from from MCW. Like I said, he can't make a layup to save his life. So what are your thoughts on Shelvin Mack? Uh, he doesn't really wow me by any, by any means, but uh, definitely a realistic option and someone that we could probably get lower uh, than some of the other names that we might have mentioned. Yeah, we talked about Mac last off right. season. Um, yeah, yeah, we really, I really thought he was a, you know, a, a, an option for the Hornets. They they went a little cheaper um, with MCW. I, I think Mac now is now in that range, uh, the MCW range, if not even cheaper, considering this market. And yeah, I I think he adds you some real stability, and he he mm-hmm. has some some strengths on both ends of the floor. Um, known more of a defender maybe than some of these guys. Um, Richie, you said he he had one of his better outside shooting uh, seasons of his career last year. Um, you know, th- I mean, there's nothing to get super excited about with Mac, but he certainly adds you some stability and a in a veteran presence. Um, and, and Shelvin might be one of those guys. He's at the point of his career. He might he might be a minimum player, and he might. Just might open up the Hornets some flexibility to bring back a Travion, some more money, mm-hmm. and, and, and throw some extra cash maybe at Devontae yeah. or, or go get a power forward or something like that, right? Like he, he might open up some other doors in free agency. So I, I really think this is more the what we should be thinking about realistically for the Hornets with Shelvin. I, I wouldn't hate it. Yeah, I, I think Mac is – Spencer, you laid it out perfectly there. Um, if you get him, it's so you can get him at the minimum and then try to fill in outside of that. Maybe even if you didn't want to try to bring back Trevian Graham, then try to swing for the fences more with bringing in another power forward or something like that if Mac's the guy. I certainly like the veteran presence. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's not much of a shooter. Uh, career effective, Career effective shooting rate of 48%. Um, 32% three-point shooter, so not great there. But he's solid. I, I thought he was maybe the answer a year ago. I would have preferred him over uh, Carter Williams. Um, you know, lot, sort of a lost year for him in Orlando. Like, that sort of backup, semi-solid veteran presence is just totally lost in what was a, a dreadful year for the Magic. So I, I certainly wouldn't mind him in um, in Charlotte. He just – he is – of all of these guys we're going to throw out, I feel like he's the lowest variance player in terms of you know what you're going to get from him. There's no real sort of like upside or long-term potential, but it, you know, there's no there's little risk. You know what you're going to get with Sheldon Mack, which is he'll play 60, 70 games and he won't turn the ball over. He'll hand out some assists mm-hmm. and maybe make a shot every now and then. And that's kind of why I mentioned him last of all the point guides I threw out, because he is going to be someone that is going to have a lower salary, which Spencer just mentioned. Maybe we might have more money to go after a power forward or someone else in free agency to kind of round out the roster. So do you, Spencer, have any names in terms of power forwards? Because I'm done with my list of names here. All I have with point guards. 
Well, there's only one, and I'm glad you made that segue. There's one more name I just okay. want to throw out. We don't have to talk about him because I mm-hmm. don't. I think he's too redundant to the other two point guards we have on the roster. But I'm too fascinated with the idea not to mention it. Isaiah Thomas, unrestricted free agent. Yeah, I have I have no effing idea what his market's going to be this summer. If you think you know, then you don't know. But like, it's just unpredictable. Dude, so, it might be the it might be the minimum, man. I mean, like, you literally do not know with this market. You don't know. Like, so I, I don't think it would be the minimum. But to your point, BG, it could, like we could be here in ten days, being like, "Are you kidding me?" Uh, I'm I'm worried. I'm like I'm I'm ready for. I've been bracing for the worst with Isaiah for a while now. Um, yeah. and it's worth mentioning too. Just like, man, this guy was on was on like a Kemba Walker like awesome contract the last couple of years. And it's crazy to think if this guy hits free agency in 2016, that guy he gets a he gets a max, he gets a hundred million dollars, like no no question about it. Yeah. Um, the opportunity cost for him in terms of when he hit free agency, and I mean, dude, at the minimum it's tens of millions of dollars, and it's upwards of a hundred million dollars that this guy lost. It really it's really shitty. Um, so I hope for the best, but I'm just worried yeah. in this market he's gonna get he's gonna get pinched easily and and it's just it's gonna again like you said well 10 days from now we'll be looking looking at ourselves thinking what the hell just happened but yeah, um yeah i'm, I'm bracing not, for the worst yeah me too i'm just not quite sure like who really needs him and who believes in him and where he fits exactly um i don't think it'll be the minimum i think he will get more but i think it's totally plausible for that to maybe happen um i don't know i mean if, if it does come to that and the, and the market dries up or at least the word of it of him dropping like that gets out and it gets to Charlotte. If you're Charlotte, wh- why not throw yeah. him a, why yeah. not throw him a 4.55 million dollars starting at $5 million deal for two plus one. And if you lose Kemba, you still have a little marketing buzz with Isaiah Thomas in year mm-hmm. two or three. You know what I mean? Like there's part of it that makes sense. There's part of it that scares the hell out of me, but there's also part of it that just makes too much sense not to do, you know? Yeah. So I just wanted to mention that to, to get everybody now, now nobody's going to be able to sleep Let, tonight. So. Let, let's just, <laughs> just, just go with me for one second. Let's real quickly imagine a backup defensive unit of Isaiah Thomas, Malik Monk, Jeremy, oh, Lane, yeah. Frank no, no, Minsky, I, yeah. and literally anyone else at center. I mean, the three of us plus the folding chair in the corner and like, <laughs> and one dude on the street, like the four of us in that chair, we might be able to go get yeah. a bucket. Uh, if the chair sets a good screen, at least I think we're I think we're gonna get some dribble penetration or something like that. That is, uh, but hey, I mean, like, look, I mean, sell high on offense, you know. That hey, that would sort of be the sell with that group. Don't 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 forget one thing though, Brian. We're in the Eastern Conference, where <laughs> you can live your dreams. <laughs> Come and live your dreams in the Eastern Conference. All right. Uh, so I just wanted to mention him. Yeah. All right. The, the Nuggets have Nikolai Jokic, Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, Paul Millsap, Michael Porter Jr., and they're like, man, we hope we can make the playoffs in the West. Like, we really hope some we someone falls out so we can make the playoffs in the Western Conference. We uh, would. Good luck. Yeah, we would all <laughs> sacrifice our own pets to have that <laughs> roster. Right now. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Um, I'll get off that. I just wanted to mention it because I think it's fun to think about. I, I, I love and hate the idea at the same time, but I just want to mention it. What's good, y'all? This is your boy, Justin, a.k.a. Just Blaze, host of Above the Rim. And if you want a raw take on the NBA, Above the Rim is a show for you. With dope beats and entertaining guests each week, 
We offer a great new insight on all things NBA. You don't want to miss it. Find it on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and the Almighty Baller Network. Uh, Richie, back to your question. Power forwards, I have one. All right. I have one that I'm in love with, and I don't think we can get him because San Antonio has his early bird, and they've just got a little bit more wiggle room than we do. But Davis Bertas, man, like we've He's talked good, about it a lot. He's freaking good. He can shoot the ball at a really high level. He can attack it. He's, you know what he is? He's Frank Kaminsky, but way better. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like I'm, I'm watching the film of him the last week. I already knew that. Like, I wonder if the Hornets could maybe get him this year because they need a power forward who can mm-hmm. compete on the defensive end and also shoot the ball. And I watch him, and I'm like, he, he's just Frank Kaminsky, but good. He's just everything Frank Kaminsky was kind of supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I don't. I really seriously, I'm not trying to be gimmicky here. I don't know how else to like. I don't know how else to explain his game. He is that. He's a great shooter. He can attack a closeout. He's more athletic than you think he is. Mm-hmm. He he keeps the ball moving. He's a good passer. And look, he doesn't have a lot of. Um, he doesn't have physical tools on the defensive end that allow him to make an impact. But he competes, and guess what? If I'm James Borrego, I want guys, I want to fill out this roster now with younger players that can compete, mm-hmm. which he's already done with Devontae and Miles. Uh, and I don't know, man. If we can find a, a way to keep Davis, I would love to do it. But San Antonio's got more flexibility. Yeah, do it against uh, Purdue and Northwestern, Bertans, if you want to draw those Frank Kaminsky comparisons, all right? Do it, do it against... <laughs> Do it against Ohio State on a Wednesday night in February if you want those Kaminsky comparisons. But uh, no, I like I've been a fan of this guy for for a while now. I don't remember the, I would, I'm blanking on the guy's name, but two summers ago in 2016, the guy that came on to do the dunked on preview for the San Antonio Spurs with Nate Duncan talked. It was right before Bertan's first season with the Spurs, and he was talking him up. And yeah, there's just a lot to like with this guy. 61% effective shooting off the catch. Which, like Spencer said, uses he uses to be a closeout feeder. And oh, by the way, he shot seventy eight percent in the restricted area this year. Wow! Like, there, there is that this dude is a weapon offensively. He's just buried behind Lamarcus Aldridge, you know. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm a big Davis Bertans fan. It's, he's one of those guys too. It's like if he's hitting free agency in 2016, Lord knows what with this production that he's put up. Lord knows what kind of money he's getting, but. Totally different world in 2018. And not to mention, James Borrego, obviously, a great, uh, great rapport with, uh, with Alberton. Totally. So that's a plug-in. No, and, and Hornets fans should know all about this guy because I feel like he averaged like 20 points against us. He, he <laughs> dropped, you know, like 30 points on us one game. It was ridiculous. And if we're going to go with Hornets killers, there's also one in the uh, point guard sl- uh, selection that we did not talk about. So maybe we can get Larkin and maybe we can get Bertans and – those are our Hornet killers, and we won't ever have to play against them, you know, ever again. Just put them on our roster. We didn't. We didn't talk about Larkin. Yeah. I, I, you know, that's another name, really quickly, because uh, I don't want to go back to the point guards. But unrestricted free agent should make it towards the end of free agency if the Hornets wanted to splurge and spend a little over two million on him. I wouldn't hate it. He's he's a poor man's Fred Van Fleet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, I... he competes in the same way. Doesn't have. Doesn't have all the things that Van Vliet does, but I don't know that he's that far behind. And yeah. he's still young, and and I think he's he's way cheaper, obviously. So it, the, he is 
he's very, he's really fast coming. He, play, he goes off ball screens aggressively. I I got I remember I covered an ACC tournament game in 2013 with in the finals was Miami versus UNC and he was right in front of me and was like I just loved his aggression uh, playing playing downhill and came back with Boston this year and had a nice season as the third point guard and had a had a pretty good playoffs too. I thought uh, as Boston had to call on him with with Kyrie out. So yeah, no, I like Larkin. Some other, just real quickly, what do you guys think about um, what do you guys think about Raymond Felton as a point guard possibility? I know we sort of moved on, but what do you what do you guys think about that? He's he's um, I mean he's kind of like a Mac in a situation where he's totally. going to be an experienced totally. player that comes in and runs that second unit. He probably is a better player than Mac, or maybe a player that gives you a little bit more upside. I know upside is not really a term that you can throw out with a player like Felton of his age, but I'd be okay with him, just like just like I'd be okay with Shelvin Mack. Yeah, I um, uh, I don't, I don't, I, I would just wouldn't love it. I, I yeah. mean, number one, I, I don't know where Raymond Felton has left. I know he showed a little juice last season in, in Oklahoma City. Played uh, eighty-two the, games too, <laughs> which is crazy to think about. Um, he shot the ball fairly decent. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, BG, but I'm pretty sure he actually had a pretty good shooting season. 39% um, three off the catch, 35% three overall. Yeah, not bad uh, at all, considering his career, uh, which is not known for a shooter. Totally. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Felton, like, I just, you couldn't play him for long stretches. I'm not sure he could play with Devontae or Kimba. I, I don't know, man. I, I, I just, to me, that's not the kind of player the Hornets should be um, targeting for he, that for that backup point guard role. I think, and it's it's one of those things where he maybe he and Kimber are too small, but he played with Westbrook a lot last season in Oklahoma City. Again, I know that's different because Westbrook is taller, and is, I mean the guy's made out of like nitrous oxide and granite. You know what I mean? <laughs> but. Uh, the Thunder were really like some of their best lines, especially once Roberson went down, were with Felton and uh, Westbrook together. Again, we're, I'm, I'm not trying to compare apples to oranges, but damn near 112 points for 100 possessions with uh, Felton and Westbrook on the court together in in, in a lot of minutes. Um, I, again, I think he is in more in that Matt comparison, yeah. and he's smaller, and you know who knows how much he's got left in the tank. He just played. 82 games in year 15, right? This past, this past season. Wow. So, uh, or no, no, pardon me. Year 13, year 13. He was the 05 draft. So who knows? Anyways, I, I, I'm intrigued by, I'm, I'm a little intrigued by Raymond and I could see it maybe being as a, you know, a possible homecoming of sorts to play at UNC's from South Carolina, et cetera. So I, I think, I think Felton makes a little bit of sense as well. All right, let's play a really quick game because we got to get moving. We need some, uh, we got some Twitter questions we need to get to. I'm gonna throw you guys. Let's see here. Two, three. All right, I'm gonna name in two different groups of three. I'm gonna name three power forwards, and everybody's gonna pick one. I'll start us. And here's how we're gonna play this game. I'll preface it this way: the likelihood is that Hornets address point guard first in free agency. Okay, then. They probably, maybe they paid Devontae Graham his minimum out of the mid-level exception, okay? So now let's say they've paid three and a half to four million mid-level exception. Devontae, the minimum, around 800000 So now they're sneaking up on 500, or excuse me, five million in the mid-level. So they've got the minimum-ish mm-hmm. to throw, maybe a little bit more. 
to throw at a power forward. All right? So I'm going to give you some minimum power forward guys. Groups of three. You get to pick one. Rapid fire here. Here we go. First group, Jeremy Grant, Scott, and I'm not going to say his first name, Bielitsa from Minnesota. I'll go first, Mike Scott. Rich. I'm going to go Jeremy Grant just because he can switch between the four and the five, and he has some, a little bit of potential of shooting the ball. Yeah, I would pick Grant too. Uh, although I like Bielitsa's shooting, a little stretch to the front court. And a little bit of play, maybe good passer too. But I, I would take I would take Grant. Uh, but I don't know if you're getting. I, yeah. I know we're trying to go rapid fire. Scott's probably the one guy that I think you could actually get at the minimum, as opposed to those other two guys. Yeah, I still think there's a chance with Grant, but I, I see your point there, BG. All right, minimum. All right, this is a group of four. Group just because I, I can't leave one of them out. I'm sorry. Ilya Sova, Josh Eustace, young kid from Oklahoma City, restricted. Both of those are restricted. Not sure that any, either of one of them gets matched. Um, Cunningham unrestricted, Tolliver unrestricted. This answer might surprise you, but I'm going Anthony, 33-year-old Anthony Tolliver. Ooh. I, I'm, I think I'm going to go Tolliver, too, just most because I, I like the stretch. He had a great three-point shooting season uh, last year at, 33, at 33 years old. But also, I just wanted the Tolliver tweaks to come back with uh with the e backwards as just a three do you remember those the, the, like those are like the good old bobcats days with the like people being like tolliver with a million exclamation marks with the e and tolliver as a, as a three so i want uh, he would be my guy i was literally about to say sorry rich and jump in here in a second i was literally about to say i thought when tolliver was like draining triples from everyone on the floor um whatever year that was for the bobcats i swore i, I at that time i thought man this is a great way to go out for that guy. This is a great way to go out. And here we are in 2018 being like, give us him back. We want him back. Yeah. I don't know. That had to have been six years ago, right? Yeah, it feels yeah. like it. Feels like it. Years ago, maybe? I, was he on that 14 playoff team? I, I was, I, I don't know. Regardless, I, I'm blanking now, but I thought he was on that 14 playoff team. So, I mean, it was at least five years ago or whatever. I but yeah. You. There's a fact out there, and the fact is, at, at that time, I seriously thought that guy was like 38 years old that season. He's looked at this age since he was at Creighton, like legit. <laughs> like he just always looked like this. But sure enough, Anthony Tolliver, 45% on catch and shoot threes last season at four and a half attempts per game. I mean, getting them up and not thinking twice about it. In Fucking half of them were going in too. It was amazing. Yeah, awesome. All right, Richie. Well, j- just to be different, I think I'd go Ilya Sova. I think he's a little bit of a chucker. Like he gets the ball, he shoots. He doesn't care where he's at, you know, on the floor. But he's still something that we would need. You know, shooter. Tolliver offers that as well, and he's probably a little bit more solid, a little bit more level-headed. But I'd go Ilya Sova. All right, good exercise. We just want to run through all those real quick. God, the Anthony Tolliver stuff got me fired up, man. Now I'm ready to go, like, play a game. God. Dude, his, his his NBA.com picture, he just looks so sad in it. Like, I, I he just, he I, I'm, like, cracking up looking at Anthony Tolliver because he looks, he looks 52 and, like, someone ran over his dog that day, like, in this picture. It, it's amazing. But, um. <laughs> hey, that yeah, guy anyway. stayed in shape and he's, he's made a great career for himself. Um, all right, Richie. Let's uh, you you want to read out these Twitter yeah. questions for us? Yeah, but let's keep this kind of brief, rapid fire. Um, we can go a little bit more into detail if you feel like you need to, but tons of questions, uh, which we love your participation uh, when we send out those tweets about Q and A's. But a couple of questions on MKG, so I'm going to read them both because they basically pertain to the same thing. At Purser NBA says MKG is getting a lot of trade talk on Twitter. 
what kind of package would he return, best case scenario. And then another uh, person on Twitter, at TimP704, same type of question. Can the Hornets conceivably get anything for MKG, and would they have to attach a draft pick to get rid of him? Mm. So thoughts on trade market for MKG. Yeah, I think it's a really, really good question. We've talked about it on this show before. I'm not sure. I, I would I would kind of hope in a market that doesn't yield any flexibility or, well, not much flexibility for teams to spend, but still a market that has a lot of demand for teams wanting to get better. I would hope that the equivalent of all that means that a guy like Michael K. Gilchrist would have some value in a trade situation and you wouldn't have to attach no. a, pit, a pick to it. Um, but you're not getting positive net value here for him. You're, you're getting a situation where maybe you save a few million dollars and you get a player who you feel like plugs from a skill set, a skill set perspective, plugs a few holes that are more important than maybe the one he delivers. Mm-hmm. If all that makes sense. I don't think you have to attach anything to him, but I don't. That's the big question across the league right now, to be honest with you. With with players that have one more year after this next one on you know on their contract, what is the cost to get off of them if they don't necessarily fit your roster? Doesn't mean mm-hmm. they're cancers, but if they don't fit your roster and you'd like to move them, what does that cost? I mean, that's the big question right now. Yeah, yeah, and you got to remember MKG thirteen million this season player option for thirteen million. In, in 1920, I mean, I suppose there's a small chance he would not pick that up. He'll, he'll just be 25 or whatever, so maybe maybe slightly more than a small chance. But I just don't – I have – guys, I have no clue what the rest of the league thinks about Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, which makes it almost impossible for me to forecast what the trade market looks like for him. The, there, were, there were only two players in the NBA this season that were 6'7 or shorter – that played at least 800 minutes of basketball and took fewer than 10 three-point shots. Those two guys are Sean Livingston and Michael Kidd Gilchrist. And Livingston makes sense completely in the scenario that he is, that he's in in Golden State. He also doesn't make $13 million a year, too. Like there are there's no other wing in the NBA that makes eight figures and doesn't shoot threes like this. Um, and so because of that. As the league gets more spacey and more stretched, like I think there's a spot for MKG in the league, and I think he can be a contributor on a content on a on a good team. But in the situations they're they're unique. Like they're it's not every team that can use Michael Kidd Gilchrist. It's like maybe a third of the teams in the league could use this guy. And how many of those teams actually have you know have space and the desire that would actually want this guy. Like, I, I just don't know, man. I really don't know with, with, with kid Gilchrist. It's, it's very hard to gauge what his value is out there. And I think a lot of people just think of MKG as a guy with a hitch in his shot. That's like, I feel like that's all they think about with MKG, but I do think that he does have value out there. I do not think that it would be necessary to attach a pick for him. And I'm okay with MKG being the best player in the trade. Like you said, Spencer, we're probably going to have to lose some value, but the situation with him is so difficult next year considering the fact that he does have a player option of $13 million, which he's going to pick up. Like if I had to put money on it, I feel like he's going to pick up that player option at $13 million. Right. So if I think it's also dependent on our plans with Kimba. If, if we plan on keeping Kimba, we almost need to get rid of MKG because 
MKG is going to he's going to do his player option next year and it's going to cut into our money uh, for next year. So if we can get somehow get an expiring or maybe get a player that uh, has less salary uh, than MKG, but, you know, might run a little bit longer. I'm OK with MKG being the best player in the trade because his situation next year definitely throws a wrench into our plans with Kemba. So I think it does definitely depends on on Kemba's situation as well, because we need money for him. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, and there's, you know, there's a possibility that Charlotte could engage MKG into some sign-and-trade conversations. Um, I, I'm not sure, and I'm pretty sure, <laughs> yes, I'm very sure that very few teams, if anyone, would be interested in that. But, you know, a team we've always talked about for MKG as being a possibility, and, and probably a team that could really use him is Denver. So I've always wondered, you know, and I, I don't, I'd have to go do all the math and cap stuff, but I'm not even sure that like a Will Barton for MKG sign in trade would be possible. And I'm not sure that Denver would even be interested. Probably not because they're already facing tax situations. So why would they <sighs> take on more cash? Yeah. Uh, you know, but that's something to keep in mind as these trade questions surrounding MJ, MKG come up. You know, is there a sign in trade situation that makes sense? Just look for a little bit bigger salary point guard players out there um, or point guards that demand a little more, maybe, that that, that would make it possible. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm with you, BG. I have no idea what his market is, and my inclination is not many teams are really that seriously interested. Mm-hmm. All right, next question comes from at chill1199. How the hell do we get rid of Frank Kaminsky? Um, to me, this is an easy <laughs> answer. You just wait it out a year. Uh, rescind that qualifying offer and call it a day i feel like there's no way that we can get off of him this year it's not like he's making a ton of money so it's not like that's the issue but uh we don't we don't need to keep him next year if we don't have to yeah Um, yeah. just wait till barstool sports gives him that bigger bigger offer for (laughs) for a podcast and and then he can can go make four million dollars talking about lord knows what with them i mean i think my only caveat to what richie said would be Hey, maybe if there's a trade with Kemba between now and the deadline in February, maybe he somehow is a salary piece in that. Um, outside of that, no, nah, I think he just waited out. Uh, I mean, like, it is one of those things. I mean, I, I guess I can't imagine they're going to do this, but he is extension eligible this summer. Um, we, yeah. Months ago, the, the three of us talked about like, oh, maybe you could lock this guy in at some cost certainty, but but it's like, nah, come on. I mean, like, it, it, this thing has run its course. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think it'll either, it'll either end in, you know, as a, as a trade piece or 2019 free agency. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, it's the best question in the game uh, for, for the Hornets right now is how you get rid of him. And I, I don't know if I was the GM of this team, I would have sent him into space. If, if there's anyone yeah. out there willing to just take him long yeah. ago, I mean, 12 months ago, but I look, I, I <laughs> I've got a story about Frank Kaminsky I can tell you guys, not to tease the listeners here, but uh, I can tell you guys off the record here. Um, but uh, let me just tell you that I'll tell all the listeners. The synopsis of the story is Frank Kaminsky is as much of a turd as you would think he is. And, yeah, I, I can't I can't wait for this guy not to be in Charlotte anymore, not to be ugly. And I doubt he listens to this. And if he does, then you can take this to Barstool, Frank, and we can talk about it there or whatever. But, uh yeah, it is the best question in the game. We we got to get rid of him. Um, he, op- I mean, if he wasn't on the roster right now, this free agency period this summer would be very interesting for Charlotte. Yeah, Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like, yeah, I think 
I think, and again, it's not like when he leaves, it'll be some huge number coming off the books, but I just think like the collective sigh of relief from everyone that follows this team, covers this team, is a fan of this team, et cetera. Um, I think everyone will be, it'll be, everyone will be on the same page with it. I don't think there's anybody left in like the, oh, you know, I like the, the Hornets offense breathes more with Frank Kaminsky. Like he's still a lottery pick, like give him a chance. I think everyone has sort of like reached the end of the line here, except for the team because they, he's under contract and they, they can't be. Yet. Right. All right. We've got two more questions here. The second to last one from at Benjamin C. Ferris. Does Jim Borrego change the starting lineup outside of Dwight next season? So not an off-season question, but a question about next season in terms of lineup changes. Uh, just briefly, I'm going to say that I think, uh, I guess the default starting five, I guess he's what, he, what he's referring to is be Kemba, Batum, MKG, Marvin, I guess Cody, if he's healthy, that would be the default starting five. He's asking if he thinks he's going to tinker with that a little bit. And, and I would say... You know, not to read too much into his press conference, but he seems like a guy that's willing to adapt, willing to change things on the fly, something that we've kind of given Clifford a little uh, flack for, something that he didn't do uh, in his tenure, kind of predetermined lineups and rotations mm-hmm. as well. So I don't know if it necessarily he'll change the starting five, but I do see him tinkering and experience, you know, experimenting with a couple of rotations. You know, there's a lineup out there, tons of lineups that we would like to see. But I think the default starting five probably is going to be the one heading in uh, to the season. But you know who knows? He seems like a guy that could change it. Yeah, I, I don't. That's that's a good question. I, I haven't given it a ton of thought. I don't think it changes much. Um, I don't think it changes at all. I think the one spot it could change in is the power forward position. I don't expect it to. But, you know, we talked about it. If you bring in a guy like Anthony Tolliver, a guy like Dante Cunningham, or mm-hmm. Ursan Ilyasova, somebody like yep. that. You know, that could push Marvin back to the bench. And I don't think that's such a bad thing. And I don't think Marvin would think that's a bad thing because you have to continue to minimize Marvin Williams' role in this team and his expectations on both ends of the floor. So if he's the second unit guy who spaces the floor offensively in the corner and is the is the spiritual leader for the second unit on the defensive end uh, and just that that spark of uh, a veteranship, you know, I think that's fine, but it, it all depends on who they bring in this summer. I, I do not expect a guy like Miles Bridges to be ready to start. I, I would say that. I, I agree. And it, it's one of those things you said earlier, like they need to be able to dial back Marvin's minutes a little bit. And an easy way to do that is move him to the bench. Right. I think there's, I think there's a non-zero chance you see uh, Aaron and Gomez start at center. I mean, the, I mean, Cody's going to be the day one guy, but I could see, you know, depending on how, on on how uh, Aaron Gomez plays, I, I could. I mean, he finished the season well for Charlotte, so I, I could maybe see him getting some minutes in the starting role. And I mean, who knows with Cody's health too? Yeah, like you said, I don't think Miles Bridges is ready to start from day one. The, I think the there's this is really really unlikely, but you know, if they win the, let's just say they go the Sheldon Mack minimum route at point guard or, or Ty Lawson or some other minimum guy there, you know, just whoever, whomever else they could maybe bring in at the four. I mean, Davis Bertans, we don't think that's happening, but Hey, what about Kyle Anderson from the Spurs? A guy that is, is boys with James Borrego. I don't think the Hornets, again, if Frank Kaminsky was gone, I think you'd have the money. So short of that, no, nah, I think they'll, they'll, it'll mostly stay the same. 
But I, I think we can agree that he probably will tinker with it a little bit more than Clifford, at least his rotations yeah. on the fly. Uh, last sure. question, and this is a very heavy question, so I'm not really sure why I saved this for last. Would like to hear your thoughts on the best packages for Kemba, given that we take an outlook of getting the most of him rather than letting him walk. Um, he's heard deals of including Sexton and inclu- uh, deals including possible Ingram. Uh, I don't know if I've heard that one out there. That'd be amazing if we got Ingram back. But uh, <laughs> he also talks about maybe attaching Batum. Is that a possibility? So this Kemba situation is so interesting to me because of next season's books. Like that that's the dilemma to me in terms of the roster next year. I think we're only going to have 11 rostered players. Uh, so we're still going to need th- two or three more to fill out that roster. And if one of those players is Kemba in his max deal, if you're deciding to keep Kemba, you're going to be well into the tax. So the dilemma is you either trade Kemba or maybe you try to trade some players other than Kemba, MKG, a Marvin, um, well, Lamb, I guess, is off of off the books next year. But players like that. So what are your thoughts on any packages, realistic packages, that you think could be made for Kemba? Um, well, I'll start with the attaching Batum to Kemba um, mm-hmm. theory. The only team that can do that, just because of salary matching purposes right now, that's interested, would be Cleveland. That's literally the only team. that, like I've been through, like I've gone through this. The only team that would be interested in also... Match salaries is Cleveland. Okay, so moving on from that, the only other team I really think would be seriously interested, well, there's two. Phoenix, I think, would be interested. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like I, I, I like their, their group of young players more, but they just traded one of their future first-round picks away. Unprotected. <laughs> unprotected. Their Miami unprotected. 2021 unprotected pick to get, to get um, Michael Bridges in the draft. So... I think that's probably out. I don't think they're going to trade us another first-round pick. And then Orlando is the other one. And maybe, just maybe, because they have a collection of interesting young players, at least a few, they're the team that I think hasn't been talked about a lot with the Kimba sweepstakes. Sweepstakes is probably a strong word. But (laughs) the the, the Kimba... um, (laughs) hypothetical trade scenarios they're the team that hasn't been talked about enough but really 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 needs a point guard and has some first round picks in the future that'll probably worth something that's just my guess (laughs) um and if they were willing to say hey we'll give you uh, i don't know name your young player maybe Terrence Ross for salary filler. I'm not sure what his uh, salary oh, is for sure. God, and then, I think he's I think he's at eleven. I think he's 11. eleven. Okay. So how about this? Yeah. How about Terrence Ross in Orlando's unprotected? You pick nineteen or twenty draft pick unprotected for Kimball Walker. I would do that in a heartbeat if I was Charlotte. Mm-hmm. You know what? I think Orlando should consider it. Yeah, Orlando has all of their picks. By the way, too, they have all their picks. And if my computer could refresh, yeah, Terrence Ross is uh, heading into the last year of his contract. He'll make ten and a half next season. Perfect. The salaries fit. Yeah, Terrence, we save a little money. Look, if you want an extra, we'll throw you a second round pick if that if that helps the pain, um, because you're not sure if you'll keep Kim. No, nah, don't do that. Don't do that. God, <laughs> could could, could if you? That's, if that's what it takes to get an unprotected first round pick from Orlando, right? I'll do. I'll do it. Right, because you, you know that pick's going to be high. Yeah. 
also, it would be amazing to see Kemba, Biombo, and Steve Clifford reunited with the Magic too. Like that would be absolutely priceless. <laughs> Forgot about Biombo. Yep. I mean, look, I, I'm not, I'm not saying, but I'm saying the deal makes a little bit of sense for both sides. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the one that I threw out the other day, you know, now now that the draft has passed, but what about Sexton and Clarkson for Kemba? Is that not enough for you? No. I mean, Sex, I mean Sex, Sexton is your first round pick. That's that's yeah. so you're not getting a pick yeah. back, no, but that is your is, first Ricky. round pick. To be honest, I would, I was I was literally thinking about this today. It was like a, a psychoanalysis on myself about how I view assets in this league. Mm-hmm. And once it's an actual human, it's not a player. It's not an asset. It immediately decreases in value. As soon yeah, as you yeah. drive the car off the lot, man. As yeah. soon as you drive the car off the lot. <laughs> Exactly. But that said, I would still do that trade right now. And I know there's some fans that listen to this and say, you're crazy uh, for taking Clarkson's salary and then and then Colin Sexton for Kimba. But look, you're not getting much for Kimba on, on just one year guaranteed, no matter where you trade him, because there's just, just no guarantees um, that he's going to resign in that spot. I would still do that, but I would rather do the Orlando deal, the yeah. hypothetical deal we just talked about. I would like, I would be, again, I, man, I would be a little, it's one of those things, the draft happened a week ago. If you talked to me that same situation a week ago, which you probably sent us a group text, Richie, I, I was probably wanting to talk turkey on that one. I think I would be, a li- I think I would still be interested in it. Sexton gives you two lottery picks. So you basically got two shots at the right. lottery now. They're, they're later in the lottery, but that in, maybe increases the odds a little bit that one of those guys is going to develop and turn in, into a, you know, a good player, a, a plus starter, all star, like however you want to describe it. It, it. It's not easy to find these guys, but maybe you increase your odds of doing that a little bit more. Um, and you've got, and then you've got all, you've got his bird rights. You've got all the advantages that come with if he contacts and turns into a super duper star. Then you've got all these advantages for uh, for keeping him on your books and on your roster for a decade or whatever. Um, so I think I would do it. It would give the franchise like a clear cut it would, it would sort of cut the umbilical cord on you know what are we like this this old this old arc with Kemba and you know it would just give them at least there would be some more direction and a little bit closure in terms of like what the hell are we doing in terms of team building because right yeah. now it's you know you're trying to keep you're trying to wear two different shoes at the yep. same time yep that's a great way to put it exactly that's the I mean, title that's of this literally... episode that's the title of this episode and you don't have and you don't have the surplus of assets to do it. You know what I mean? Like you're not Boston. You can't do it like they like you can't do it like they've been doing. Like you're not them. Uh, yep. you know, you control your own picks. So like God, if, you wanna, yeah. if you want to build through the draft, like it's, it's how there's only there's one way to do it, basically. That's it's that's so well said, BG. I mean it's perfect. It's that's literally in this free agency primer that's gonna come out. That's my first first paragraph. Basically paraphrased is you're trying to do two things at once here and you're confusing your fan base and you're, you're sending one message, but there's all, it's also very clear that you're listening to offers about Kimball Walker. Anyways, I, I just think to end this whole Kimball Walker trade hypothetical conversation, I would rather have, I would do the Colin Sexton, Jordan Clarkson trade, but because I would want the flexibility and I would want the extra first round pick in the cupboard moving forward, for any other deals that might come available to me, I would I would want that that extra first round pick 
over a player now. And I know that sounds fickle because I was just talking about a few weeks ago how much I like Colin Sexton. Yeah. But again, you you automatically lose. It, it's a different asset when it's a player yeah. other than when it's a future draft pick. It just is. And, and your flexibility to move it and play with it yeah. and have conversations and trades about it changes. Uh, also, like also that Orlando pick could be like a top three pick too. You know what I mean? As opposed to you know, as opposed to yeah, exactly, exactly. I will say that the draft class next year, just kind of reading up on it, is not as good as this year's. So Colin Sexton could very well be a top three pick next year if he were to if if what you know totally. change the future. You know, he was totally. coming out in next year's draft class. So I, I thought the same thing that you do, Spencer. Sometimes like Colin Sexton is no longer a first round pick, even though in theory he is, and we're getting him a year earlier. I don't know. Yeah. I, I get what you're right. saying, though. The value there somehow decreases a little bit. Quick, yeah. quick side note, by the way, too. Next year's first round, I know we're not – it's not super well thought of. Going to be a lot of ACC guys in that mm. class, yep. which is fun to keep up with. I mean, DeAndre so, Hunter, all the Duke guys, Nasir Little, et cetera. Like, it's going to be a good good group of players coming out of the ACC this year probably. DG, if you close your eyes and like you think hard enough, Duke could go one, two, three, couldn't they? Totally, yeah, because it because it could be Barrett, Reddish, Reddish and, and yep. Williamson. Um, you know, then throw in Nasir Little. I mean, it, the Duke Carolina could go one through four in some order, you know. And um, boy, DeAndre Hunter could be. I mean, that that dude looks like uh, he's not a top five guy, but I don't think so. Maybe next top ne- ten lottery. Said, yeah. When it's all said done next year, he uh, top five uh, a stretch, but. I think people, if he stays healthy next year and UVA rebounds, which I expect him to do, they return a lot of players. I know, I know they left this disastrous taste in everybody's mouth, but he's just, so just hold on a second. All right, he's just hold so on. Good. UVA could be back here. They're returning a lot of guys. He's back healthy. Um, he could he could raise some eyebrows. He, he's got a chance to do something cool this year, which would be like ACC Player of the Year, ACC Defensive Player of the Year a final four and a lottery pick like all of that, all of that could be in the next 12 months for Deandre Hunter. And, um, you know, I would imagine he'll check at least a few of those boxes, but all four of them are in play, which would be pretty cool to see. Guys, I don't, I don't like all this ACC talk. I'm going to have to get someone from SMU or someone from the Midwest to get up in this top five. That's my goal. Get him in the, give him the lottery. I haven't done my job yet though. His hair is about to catch on fire. So I think that's when we have to sign up. All right. Um, oh, I tell you what. The last thing I did want to mention. I know I like mentioned this in passing throughout the episode, but um, Devonte Graham. Just keep an eye on how the Hornets, what what kind of money they use to sign him, and when it happens, because that will give you a clue as to how they intend to use their free agency money. If it happens early in free agency, um, and he does sign for that. 831, uh, 311 number, which is the minimum. If it comes out of the MLE and it comes early in free agency, I would say that tells you that the Hornets intend to be conservative. Um, maybe. I, but I also have the inclination that maybe they would be a little bit more aggressive. Oh. So <laughs> just, just, well, let, if it comes after the point guard sign, the backup point guard signing, I would say that there's one more chip that's going to fall. If it comes before, then I would say maybe they're going to spend a little bit more on the point guard, if that makes sense. Anyways, that was the last thing I was going to mention. Again, the only way the Hornets can get 
full bird rights on Devontae Graham is if they get him signed to a three-year deal. They want those bird rights. And the only way they get them is using the MLE because the MLE allows you to sign a guy for up to four years. If they sign him at the minimum, they can only get him for two years, and that will not get his bird rights. And this is what we did with Bacon last year. Great point. And this is how we signed Dwayne Bacon after we drafted him last year. We used a portion of the MLE. He's under contract for three years. We will have his full bird rights after next season and be able to pay him whatever we need to pay him to keep him. So just something to keep in mind. All right, boys, great episode. Everybody, happy free agency. Uh, um, Not a lot for us to spend, but it is going to be fun because it is an interesting market. Don't forget, we are a proud member of the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. Check out almightyballer.com for lots of other great uh, uh, shows across the landscape of the NBA. Sportschannel8.com. Follow them on on Twitter, at sportschannel, the number eight. Uh, and then queencityhoops.com, I'll have my pre, or excuse me, free agency primer coming out. I hope Saturday. It might be Sunday. We'll just see when it happens. Uh, I got some stuff going on right now. Um, but uh, yeah, great episode. Episode 70. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you guys next time. All right. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.